All right, if you could find a seat, that'd be great. Thank you. All right. So thankful to uh, jump back into the Lord's Prayer after a couple weeks break. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. I think probably we take it for granted, he's just saying about the Holy One, that the creator and sustainer of the universe, the holy God of the universe, who is magnificently transcendent, but at the same time immediate through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, that God invites you, He asks you to pray to Him to come into His presence and make your requests known to Him. It's beautiful. And today we're going to see that the God of the universe, the one who is before all things, the one in whom all things hold together, cares about your daily needs. That He cares about meeting your daily needs. It's a beautiful truth. And let's see what we can learn this morning from the Lord's prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, that God's name would be made great, that he'd be glorified in everything that happens in our lives and in the world around us. Your kingdom come, that God's kingdom would be ushered in that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that the very commands that He has given to us would be obeyed instantaneously, immediately here on earth as they are in heaven, as they will be in the kingdom. Your kingdom come that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that people would be transferred from darkness into light, the kingdom of the Son that He loves. And we see that God is great, that the first three petitions are about God and His greatness and His will being done. And now we look at the goodness of God. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. As I already mentioned, the holy God of the universe, the one who is high and exalted, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place. Absolutely transcendent. But mysteriously, He also is with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Well, that's what you have to have. A contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Albert Moeller says this, the contrast with the depiction of God given earlier in the prayer is striking. He is glorious, hallowed in heaven and omnipotent. We, on the other hand, are incapable of even getting basic sustenance without His help. Hence, God invites us to pray, give us today, give us this day, our daily bread. 
So when you think about the concept of daily bread, what do you think about? I know what I think about. My, my girls are totally into the sourdough thing that's going on now, and I'm the beneficiary of it. It's like every day we have fresh sourdough bread, and it is a beautiful thing. So when you think about bread, daily bread, what comes to mind? Well, certainly food, right? This is part of what Jesus is getting at, but I think really we want to broaden that out a little bit. Daily bread is everything we need to exist on planet earth as we hallow God's name through obedience as we await his coming kingdom. Our body is more than food and drink and clothing. The kingdom of God is more than eating and drinking, but God cares about those things. And God sanctifies the material in this prayer. You understand that? It's not wrong to, to have material things as long as we relate to them rightly. So the daily bread that we're praying about today is everything we need to exist on planet earth as we hallow God's name through obedience and as we await his coming kingdom. So as we pray, give us today our daily bread. We're expressing our dependence upon our Father in heaven to meet our needs. And that dependence is a complete dependence. As Al Mohler says, we are completely, utterly, absolutely, 100% dependent upon God for every single breath. Do you understand? If, if Jesus decided in one second to pull his hands away, everything would cease to exist. As Paul writes about the amazing deity of Jesus Christ in his, church, his letter to the church at Colossae, he says this, for in Jesus all things were created. Right, John chapter 1, verse 3. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You live 24 7, 365, and you don't think a lick about your heart beating unless you go up a flight of stairs. Yet your heart continues to beat. The most basic cellular processes that keep you alive, you don't think a thing about them. All the enzymes that are functioning constantly to keep you alive are held together by Christ. In Him all things hold together. You are absolutely, completely dependent upon God for every moment of your life. As Paul says, as he preaches to the Athenians, for in Him we live, move, and breathe, and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are His offspring. So I think intellectually you assent to those truths. You agree with those, right? I mean, you would, anybody disagree here? Right? But the problem is we don't live like that. We don't, we don't live practically in those terms, right? So I talk about philosophical atheism versus practical atheism. Philosophically, we would say that those truths are true. Right? We don't disagree with them. We're not philosophical atheists, but in practice, sometimes we live in a godless manner. We live as if God isn't there working 24-7, 365 in our lives, sustaining us. Providing for us, providing that daily bread that 
that keeps us alive. You might say, you know what? I work hard. I work hard. As God reminded the children of Israel as they were entering the promised land, hey, you may work hard, but remember, my power and strength, the power of my hands have produced this wealth. I mean, you may say, I'm sorry, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, it is He who gives you the ability to produce the wealth that you have. In Western culture, very much pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. This is one of my great sins, my independent I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get that square peg in a round hole no matter what. But there are no self-made men. Paul says that. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, For who makes you any different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You are utterly and completely absolutely dependent upon God for everything that you have and all that you are. Thomas Boston says this, if God would, would, would withdraw his hand, our food would all vanish. The, the beasts, the best. That's so funny. I love typos. The beasts would disappear and the sun would go out like a candle. Okay, God, so everything that I have is from you, but I still am thankful for this pantry that I can walk into and is full. I, I like that. I like the fact that everything I need is, is right there. Some of you are really into the, the straightness of those cans right now. Like you're really, I, I like the way that it escalates so that you can see what's there. Because my wife sends me to the pantry and says, Jay, I need you to get X. And I go in there and I look for 10 minutes. X isn't here. I guess I'm going to Al-Hermain. Another convenience, right? another big pantry right down the street. And she walks in, and within two seconds, she comes out with it. Here it is. We like that, don't we? We like the confidence and security that we have in a pantry that's stocked, in a bank account that's full, in healthy children, a healthy life, a well-ordered life. We like the security and all that. But even as we talk about food, right, give us this day, Today, our bread, okay, and it's more than that, but we're talking about food right now. Did you know that in every part of the food chain, you're dependent upon God? Every step along the way depends upon God. I'm amazed at this because I like to work outside with my hands in the dirt. And um, I like planting seeds. It just amazes me that you can take this little bitty dried up thing stick it in the ground, and you walk away from it. The water comes down, and somehow, 14 days later, you have a green shoot coming up, and you didn't do a thing to make that happen other than stick that seed in the ground. Only God can do that. So you may think, I've worked hard, I've earned my money, I've got my pantry full, but at any moment, God, God could remove the means of food production. Right? Remember during COVID, we all got worried about like getting stuff, right? You go to the store and it's like weird, you know, shelves are empty. I'm like, 
people must be going to the bathroom a lot more because all the toilet paper's gone. Like, where does it all go? COVID kind of gave us, it kind of showed us, you know, how tenuous life really is. That this, this food chain can get interrupted. But God tells us in His Word that all along the way, He is responsible for the fact that you have food on your plate. In Hosea 2.9, he's talking about his punishment of Israel. He says, you're self-sufficient? Okay, wait till I remove the grain from you and keep the grain from growing. He says, therefore, I will take my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it's ready. Oh, well, you've got the grain? Well, guess what? It's going to get ruined at the threshing floor. He tells that to Israel again through Hosea. The threshing floors, the wine presses will not feed the people. The new wine will fail them. He's saying, look, you think you're self-sufficient, Israel. You think that you've accomplished all that you have on your own. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, let's say you actually get the food to your table. But what if you're sick? What if your health has failed? What if those mitochondrial processes within your cellular structure aren't working well, then all of a sudden you are sick and you can't eat. The food's sitting there, but you just don't feel like it. Psalm 107, they loathed all food. talks about somebody being ill, sick. Oh, you've got food? Well, do you have health? Because health is from God as well. Well, you've gotten the food into your mouth, and Zophar talks to Job. And again, when we look at Job, we have to understand that the, his friends aren't always saying things that are right, but a lot of what they say is true. It's just not given in the right way. And what Zophar says here is true. Talking about the person who is taking from others to get their food, he says, his food will turn sour in his stomach. It will become the venom of serpents within him. Every step, every moment, every second, every millisecond of your life is dependent upon God. Everything you have is from God. He is the one that we pray to give us today our daily bread. So this dependence is complete, but it's also daily. It's a daily dependence. Now, for me, um, I like it. I'm, I'm like, I like saying that full pantry. I like it when it's all there, when I know it's, it's accounted for and it's there. I'm like this cat, right, Who, whose family is going away and they stick the food there and you have to roll over and, and it's there. It just rolls down. Get it in bulk. We like seeing everything so that we can have security in the temporary that's there. You see, God wants you to relate to Him on a daily basis. So He asks you to come to Him and ask for Him to provide for your daily bread. So Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, as as we relate to God, why does God say, come to me every day and ask for daily bread? Why is that? Why can't I just pray once a month? Hey, God, can you provide this month for the food that I need? It'd be really good. Just take care of all at once. I don't have to bother you about it again. But God wants to hear from you. You need to eat every day. God wants to hear from you every day. It's not a monthly transaction like you're paying your mortgage So we view God as transactional. When God wants to have a relationship with you as your loving Heavenly Father. Lloyd-Jones says, no, we must think of prayer more as as a relationship between father and child. 
The value of prayer is that it keeps us in touch and in contact with God. I think as parents, we can relate to that, right? Sometimes your kid comes to you like, there's a certain stage that kids come, and maybe this is their dad, right? I don't know. It's probably not the mom. But there's a stage the kids go through, and they come to their dad for like three different reasons, right? It, one would be, I need money. Two would be, something's wrong with a car. Or three, I need you to go ask mom something, right? So it's like, but God wants an ongoing relationship, not transactional. He wants relational. He wants a daily relationship with you. I think one of the best stories to understand, give us today our daily bread, is taken from Deuteronomy, I mean, Deuteronomy, but Exodus chapter 17, or 16, Exodus 16. This is an interesting picture. You know, this, is, this is a Jehovah's Witnesses picture. You know, I felt kind of guilty putting it up. It's a, good, it's a good picture, right? Kind of draws your mind there, right? There they are, collecting the manna. Exodus 16 is where God displays His glory. His glory is manifest by giving each day the bread that His people would need to eat. Right? Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So God was giving them what they needed each day, but he wanted them to depend on him daily. So in the instructions that he gave them, he says, don't gather more than you need for the day. If you put it away in a jar, guess what? You're going to wake up, it's going to be worms. So just get what you need for the day, and that will be enough. And so the text continues. Then in 17, he says, The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. See, that's, that's God's promise, is to give you what you need today. That's what He promises. Daily sustenance. What you need to live for His glory for that day. Well, but I like this. And I'm quite fine, thank you. I can, I can keep restocking this thing. I can keep working. There's an interesting... Um, Interesting story in Luke chapter 12 of a man who disregarded the fact that he relied on God for everything that he had. You're probably familiar with it. Jesus told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So, you can't see it there. This is the slide that's gone, Jason. So he built barns. And he put all of his crops, his surplus crops in his barn so that he could sit there and rely on that and be secure in that. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? See, God turns upside down this idea of independence, of self-dependence. And he turns us towards daily dependence upon him for everything that we have. Proverbs 30 speaks to this. This is, I love this passage. I tell myself this all the time. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. 
Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. Now why? Why would he pray that? Well, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. God, give me just what I need today to live for your glory so that I'll be dependent upon you. Now, I'm not speaking against saving, planning ahead. I'm not. Those are important things. We need to plan for the future. But we do so realizing that all that we have can be taken at any moment so that we will remain dependent upon God. So as we pray, give us today our daily bread. We reminded that we're completely dependent upon God. We are daily dependent of God. And that we should be thankful for God's daily provision. Right As we come to God and pray, give us this day, we're reminded of all that God has done for us. That God continues to provide all that we need. Sometimes when we go to God in prayer, we think about our lives, right? We're kind of in this, woe is me, I have nothing, Ugh, I need this, I need that, and I hate to go to God and ask Him for all these things because I kind of feel guilty for doing that. I just wish my life were different, I wish I had more. If I had more, I could do more for the glory of God. We feel like our lives are like this, and we're praying again for that. We walk around with this kind of attitude, right? Raisins, crumbs of bread, wilted lettuce and carrots. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, not our daily cake or our daily filet mignon. God is trying to teach us contentment through praying, give us today our daily bread bread. Again, back in the Old Testament, the story of the nation of Israel, around the same time as the, the, uh, the narrative with the, the manna, the rabble, I love this expression the NIV uses, the rabble, the rabble. The rabbles, are, they're the complainers. Never happy, never content. Their life is nothing but shriveled up raisins, breadcrumbs, and wilted lettuce and carrots. And, oh yeah, manna. So this rabble that was, this, is, this just blows my mind, and I, I guess it's the nature of sin. I'm thinking, dude, if I was in the desert, and all of a sudden God starts raining down bread from heaven that we collect every day, and we boil it, and we make cakes out of it, how amazing is that? Why would you ever complain if you just have to walk outside and gather it every day? Why would you complain? But isn't that our default? Complain. The rabble then with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlics. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. So they were crying out for meat. Well, guess what God did? God sent the meat. He said, that night, you ready, you're going to eat. This quail, the quail came flying in in a massive flock around three feet off the ground. Through the, they're standing there with bags, just bagging those quail, right? 
getting as much as they can. They started eating the quail. And as they were eating this quail that they begged for because they were complaining over the manna, guess what? They began dying left and right from the plague. So what's God telling us in our discontentment? He's saying, don't despise the manna. When you come to me in faith, believing that I am and that I reward those who diligently seek me, don't despise me when you ask You're asking for daily bread. I'm going to give you daily bread. Are you praying in faith? Because if you're praying in faith, believing that I'm going to give daily bread, then what you have to eat that day is from me. If you're praying for this and that for your life, what I give you for your life at work, at home, at school, What I give you in your bank, whatever I give you, that's what I have for your life. Don't despise the manna because every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. I give good gifts. I only give good gifts. If you have it, it's from me. It's a good gift. So the raisins and the breadcrumbs and the wilted lettuce and carrots, if that's what you have to eat, that's the goodness from me, and that's what I think you need for the day. But guess what? He also gives us filet mignon tiramisu sometimes too, out of his mercy. So as we pray, give us today our daily bread, we are thankful. But we're also reminded that our Father in heaven will lovingly give us what is needed. He loves us. So sometimes I think our attitude towards God is like, okay, I've got to go before God. And it's like going for the principle, right? He's the guy who keeps, he's the, he's the guy who's over all the rules. And, and you know that you've broken some of the rules. And now you're, you're kind of coming into his office as you pray. And you start thinking about all the bad things that you've done. And God's never going to give me what I need because I've been so bad. You understand how twisted that is? So if God related to us that way, none of us would ever get it. We'd be dead. We wouldn't utter the first word, right? No. Our bad deeds were punished on Jesus Christ when he was hanging on the cross. So because of Christ and his death on the cross to take our sins away, we have become children of God and he invites us into his presence. It's not like we're coming for the great and awesome Oz. You remember that scene? In the Wizard of Oz? They need the wizard to get Dorothy back to Kansas And they have to approach him. And they're scared to death. Sometimes we think of God that way. Friends, God is is a loving, heavenly Father. One of the most beautiful passages of the New Testament, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be open. You know, James says you have not because you ask not. What's your prayer life like? Are you asking God for your daily bread? Are you praying? Everyone who asks receives. And you have to pray in faith. Friends, when you come to God... And you ask him 
for whatever need it is. Okay, let's say it's food, or it's finances, or it's a relationship, or it's work, whatever that daily bread issue is, and you pray about it, the answer you get the next day is God's answer for your life. It's either yes, no, or wait. But here's the part that I like. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a steak? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask them? Friends, God knows exactly what you need. He is a loving Heavenly Father. He is going to give you the very best for your life at the exact time that you need it. You have to pray in faith. Give us today our daily bread. In faith. And as we pray this way, we alleviate anxiety. As we ask while remembering God's faithfulness. Right, as we move through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to get to Matthew chapter 6, right? And there's this beautiful passage where we're taught that the society that Jesus was speaking into was a day-to-day society, right? People earned enough, just enough for the day, and sometimes they didn't earn that much. Their lives were consumed with the most basic of needs. We're worried about whether we can pay our Netflix subscription for the month, and people in Jesus' context were worried if they had enough grain to feed their kids, And Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? God's aware that you have daily needs. He's just asking you to come. Come to Him and ask. In faith, believing that He is, and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Friends, and what I love about Romans chapter 8, sometimes we don't even know what we need. Hey, God, I, I just, you come and you're asking God, and, and God knows what's going to be happening. You don't know what's going to be happening, and you're, you're asking Him for your, your daily bread and all that that means, and you're crying out to God. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that the Spirit of God, as we pray in the Spirit, is interceding, us, interceding for us with wordless groans, praying according to the will of God so that your daily needs will be met, whether you know it or not. So Jesus says, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. But do this. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, Jesus wouldn't command us to pray, give us this day, or give us today our daily bread if God weren't faithful. As we pray in faith to a faithful God, it relieves anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious about nothing. Don't be anxious about God is near. But I want you to give thanks to God. I want you to offer up prayers and supplications and petitions and the peace of God which surpasses 
All understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. God is faithful. Otherwise, He wouldn't command us to pray. So two closing thoughts, two final thoughts. And one is this, God promises to provide, His promises to provide are for His children, not all of humanity. Now, God does provide for all of humanity. We see this in Matthew chapter 5. He causes the rain to shine on the just and the unjust. Every breath drawn by every single human being on this planet is a gift from God as they rebel against Him or as they serve Him. It's a gift from God. But the promises of God that He will meet your daily needs are only for His children. I mean, think about it. If every kid on the street started coming up to your house asking for food, could you do that? Or would you? You'd have to take care of your own kids, right? And it's not I'm saying, I'm not saying that God is limited, that He can provide for everybody, but I'm saying He has a special affection and desire to provide for His children who come to Him in prayer. You see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. God, as His children, He has called us to pray. You need something? Come to me daily. I want to meet your needs. Come to me daily. And that is a privilege because you have been loved by God through Jesus Christ. That is not a promise to everybody. He lavishes that on His children, and that's what we are. And there's only one way to become a child. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision but, or of a husband's will, but of born of God, right? You must be born again. Keep saying that again and again through this Sermon on the Mount message. Born again. You become a child of God, and God meets your daily needs. Last point, if you have plenty to eat but are always hungry, perhaps you're eating bread that will never ultimately satisfy your hunger. Now, this could be for Christians and non-Christians, because a part of this prayer is a prayer of contentment. Christian, are you always feeling like you don't have enough that you're never satisfied. You have a longing that just isn't met. Well, are you looking to satisfy that longing in the right place is the question. Are you looking for bread that will satisfy? Or are you looking for something temporary that meets your needs the way you think they ought to be met? For the non-Christian, right, Augustine says, Lord, make me restless till I find my rest in you. Some preachers say there's a God-sized hole in the heart that can only be filled by God. Could it be that the hunger that we experience on a day-to-day basis, physical hunger that we experience, is to remind us that only God can satisfy us? Because if we're completely dependent upon Him for everything and we have hunger, we're reminded that only God can satisfy that hunger. And Jesus, in fact, says, I will satisfy that hunger. He says, it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us that bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Perhaps our daily prayer ought to be, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me Jesus today. Give me Jesus. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus Christ, the bread of life, give us today our daily bread. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our beautiful Savior. Father, we thank you that you have given him to us so that we can be satisfied. Father, I pray for us as a church that we would never be satisfied in the temporary things of this world, but that we would only find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Father, please drive us to Christ, drive us to Jesus Cause us to seek Jesus more than life itself. Father, if there's anyone in this room who is searching and hungry and they've never sought Christ, Father, please work in their heart because in Christ alone is their hope. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand together, we're going to sing.